Appreciate the, the warm welcome. Um, Pete's talking about all of these people from around the world and the nations. I'm, I'm just from Arizona. It's not really that, <laughs> that, that far away. Um, so before we get in, just a little bit about myself. I, I grew up in LA. I'm, I'm an LA kid and I'm LA everything and I love it. Uh, I love it. But I moved to Phoenix to go to college. Um, actually, I moved to Phoenix to go play football. Um, and you had to go to college to play football. And so I was at ASU for that, for the, the five years they give you. And then, uh, and then graduated, and it's way cheaper to live in Arizona than it is to live in California. Um, and so my wife is actually from Northern California. She's from Sacramento, like Folsom area. Um, we're, we're both California people, but have, we have two boys in whom we're raising in the valley, and we try to get out of Arizona in the summertime whenever we can. So when Pete was like, hey, is there a way you can serve our church? Here's some dates that, that and I said, yeah, August just seems like the, probably the time that <laughs> the Lord would want me to be here. Um, but so that's why I'm here. Um, I didn't, I've never been to Central Oregon. I've only been to Portland. And so it's beautiful here. Uh, it's super beautiful here and very white. Uh, like, like extremely white. And that's not a bad thing. It's just an observation. And I've only been here for half a day. <laughs> but maybe there's more to see. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, anyways, uh, it, it, it's, it's fun to be here. Um, I wish I, next time, um, I'm thinking I better do a good job because I want to get invited back because this was a bad mistake for me not to bring my family. Because when he invited me to Corvallis, I was like, and I brought my wife, I was thinking, nothing against Corvallis, it's just not bent. And so I was thinking, oh, next time we got to make sure to bring the family here because they're going to see a color that they're not used to seeing. Green, green uh, <laughs> is not something that we, we have in Arizona. And by the green, I don't mean your state laws and the things that you guys have going on here legally. I'm talking about this. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm on the clock, guys. We can't be just doing this all day. So um, I'm going to pray and we're, we're going we're gonna to jump in. But I, I do got to give you a little bit uh, just about me because you guys are not used to hearing me. You guys are used to hearing Pete, who's super laid back and so forth. Um, I'm not. Um, I speak really, really fast, and so I will try to slow down, but my slowing down is going to be really fast for you. Um, so pay attention. Um, number two, um, I will say something that is true about Jesus, God, the gospel, and then I will say amen. Like, I agree with it. And if you agree with it, you would respond by saying amen. There we go. Um, I may or may not say turn to your neighbor, and not literally the neighbors that you have like in your city here, but like the person next to you and say something. And it may be awkward, especially if you're an introvert, you're like, I don't want to say this. That's fine. Um, you could be that way. Or you could just turn to your neighbor and say whatever I'm saying. It's just the way that we interact and so forth. And so um, the church that I preach to uh, is an eclectic, diverse church. Um, we are near the campus of ASU, though we're not a college church. We've all grown up. And um, it was interesting, one of your elders that was here when he said, I'm the oldest elder. We have, a, we have a guy like that too. We have two elders that are over 60. I'm the youngest elder um, at 35, but like our church is probably 25 to 32. And so it's really good to be with, with all of you guys who are um, a little bit older than that as a, as a congregation. And I do, I mean that in a, in a, in a good way. It's, it's good not to see a bunch of uh, just young, young people all the time. So anyways, that's it. Let's pray. And then we'll jump into the text. Father, we thank you for the great grace and what you've extended to us. And particularly this morning, Lord, I pray for this area and this community that the gospel would come to bear. Lord, there is evidence, as Roman 1 says, of your beauty, 
that speaks through creation and, and, and this place screams of it. And we ask, Lord, not just through your general revelation, but through a special way that you reveal yourself through the gospel and the Holy Spirit of your son Jesus today, that you would refresh those of us who are here today who have trusted in Christ, that you would open up eyes for those who have never, that you would breathe the new life that you provide through the Holy Spirit in and through us, God, that you would have your way. God, that just for these, this moment as we listen to your word, and as we worship together, Lord, in song and the partaking, Lord, of the, of the bread and the wine, Jesus, that you would be present with us. And God, we thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So um, one of the things we do in our family is every other year we go and visit each other's family. So though I was raised in Southern California, the bulk of my family is actually in the South. My wife's family is in Northern California, so we trade off. Um, and this past year, we were, we were, for Christmas, we were with her family in, uh, in Folsom, in, in the Northern California, Sacramento area. And so my, her brother, uh, my brother-in-law, really loves Star Wars, like really loves, Star, like more than most kids, most human beings love Star Wars. He does. And I personally don't really care too much for Star Wars. Don't judge me. I just like movies that are like usually real. Um, and, but the kids wanted to go and I'm like, I'm down, you're paying. Okay, I'm extra down. And so we went to the movie theaters to watch Star Wars. And you know, when you go to the movie theaters, they, they show you the trailers of what's coming. And so this is December of last year, and I'm looking at the different trailers, and then there's this trailer of this movie that's coming forth called Black Panther. And I'm watching the trailer of this movie, and I'm like, that might be a movie I might want to go see. And you say, why? And I would say, for obvious reasons. And so I'm, 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 I'm watching this trailer. I can't wait for the movie to come out. The movie finally comes out. And I'm not even into action, like heroes, like Marvel and so forth. And you go, well, why Black Panther? For obvious reasons. So I take the boys to go see it. The day it comes out, we go to the theater, and I'm watching it, and I love it. I'm not going to give the movie away. If you haven't taken the time to see it, you should see it. It's beautiful. But the whole premise of this movie is there's, there's this... this this mythical, like, fish, uh, fictional, like, kingdom, and it's called Wakanda. And the thing about Wakanda that's unique is most people don't even know, like, what Wakanda is really about. They don't really know how to really get to Wakanda. And what Wakanda has is they have this particular source of, of just greatness called vibranium. <laughs> and this vibranium is unique because only Wakanda has it, and yet the rest of the world needs it. The vibranium in itself, it could bring healing, it could bring restoring, it could bring uh, just renewal to people's lives, like it's the best thing in the world. However, um, King T'Challa, who's the king, the only way that the rest of the world could actually receive this vibranium is if he desires to, desires to be able to take this vibranium to the rest of the world. And if the rest of the world would receive this, the rest of the world could potentially have the particular type of healing that the world needs. Now, I say that to go, when, I, when we begin to look at the Bible in which we read, we read about a kingdom, and a kingdom that most people don't know about, most people don't naturally see, most people don't believe in, and yet there's something about this kingdom that the whole world needs for healing and renewing and restoration. And it's not vibranium, but what the king provides for us is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit begins to do in the life of God's people in the world is the Holy Spirit breathes into us this new life and a new life to begin to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, but also to live our, our life in Christ to the fullest. The problem is many of us don't receive this new life in the way that we ought to, and so we have to have a gracious king that would be willing to deliver this new life. Unfortunately for us, the story of the Bible tells us that the king, namely Jesus Christ, he desires to give this new life, and he desires to give it to anyone um, old, young, black, white, and so forth, who begin to receive in faith 
his son, Jesus. Amen? So the story that we're going to read today, very, very familiar story. If you've been around church or Christianity, you've heard this story before. If you haven't, maybe you haven't heard this story. But tucked away in this story is one of the most famous verses or the most known verses in the whole Bible. And that's John 3.16, that God so loved the world, that he gave his son. You know the verse. Um, it's a verse that, that you experience and you see every football game you've ever watched. After a touchdown, somebody's going to be in the stands with the John 3.16, which probably has nothing to do with football. However, um, it's a verse. So in the context of this verse, there's Jesus and, and there's this man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an older person. Um, he's a Pharisee. And that means he's, a really, really, he's really, really good at doing religious things, knowing the Bible and so forth. Um, I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, the way the scene is, is that he, he wants to know something about Jesus, and he wants to know something about the kingdom of God. Essentially, how can he have this new life? And so that's the context here. If you're with me, um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. And so here's the, the scene here. He comes to him at night, which is kind of weird at first because, you know, it's like, why, Jesus was like, why, why you got to come to me at night? Well, so you, I'm not good enough to be around your friends or something like that, right? It's kind of weird. Part of it is because he doesn't want his friends to see him with Jesus. Partly because the way that the gospel began to be revealed through Christ is that many of the Jewish people thought that Jesus was bringing a new gospel, something that wasn't in a continuation with the story of Israel and the people of God. And what was truly happening is Jesus was the fulfillment of that story. And Nicodemus, with more of the religious leaders and rulers, looked at it and going, I'm not really sure. So instead of meeting with Jesus in public like everybody else did, I'm going to come um, in, a, in a way and a time to go, hey, wait, there's something about you, he says. Like, you have to be, like, from God because nobody can do the miracles that you're doing. Now, up until this point, what I think is interesting is that Jesus, the only miracle that we have recorded so far when you read uh, the Gospel of John is the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding. And so I can just imagine the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus is like, what, what miracles did you hear that I, that I did? He goes, well, we heard about the water to wine thing. And Jesus is like, yeah, I... I I do that sometimes. No big deal, right? And he goes, we know that you're from God because no one provides this good of wine. I have no idea how that conversation went. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He says, how can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. And so Jesus looks at him and he knows what Nicodemus wants. I had a mentor tell me this a while ago, and he says this. Two things that I know. One, I've never met a young man who was without arrogance, and I've never met an older man who was without regret. And when you think about the way Jesus reveals the Gospels, when you see how he, he, the lens in which he uses for people to begin to see the different perspectives in which we enter into the kingdom of God, he always meets people where they're at. In a wedding, it's continuing the celebration. To the woman who's thirsty, he becomes living water. And to a man who's lived his entire life and who surely has regrets, 
he begins to talk about new life and starting over. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, nobody can enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus would have had a concept and an ideal of the kingdom of God and the reign of God and heaven and earth being united in this new life. He says, nobody unless they're born again. Now, what's happening is Jesus is speaking about spiritual things as they relate to the world, but Nicodemus can only hear in natural ways. And so the whole conversation seems confusing to him. And when he says born again, I just want to have a side note there and deal with that because the word, just the phrase born again sometimes can be really confusing, right? Because sometimes people think it's like this extra blessing that after you receive Jesus and you're born again, or there's a, it's a different type of sect of Christianity and so forth. And, and it, it, it really is confusing. Um, and depending on how your church upbringing was or whatnot, like you, you may know what I'm talking about. Um, but when I became a Christian, um, I became a Christian just after I graduated college. And um, I was, I have probably been a Christian, no joke, for maybe eight days. Like, I am like riding high on Jesus. I'm at the grocery store, and there's this lady, and she's trying to push two carts to her car, right? And I see her, and I think, I'm a Christian. I should probably go help her, because that's what Christians do. And so I go, and I try to help this lady. I said, hey, do, would you like some help? And she goes, oh, yeah. So I take the cart to her car, and, and she's an older lady, and she's talking to me, and she's asking me about my life and everything else. And, and then she says, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. You, you know what? I am a Christian. And then she said, but are you born again? And the way she said born again, like her whole voice changed. It was like, are you a Christian? Yeah, but are you born again? And it was, whoa, that, I, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure um, what happened just now, but, um, and, and it was almost, and I said, well, like, yeah, I mean, born, I'm, like, what do you mean? Like, are, there's Christians, and she's like, there's born again Christians, are you? And then she started preaching, and I said, listen, lady, you needed help with milk. All I wanted to do was help you. I, did, I didn't know this whole, like, thing that you're doing right now. Um, I remember going to a guy, I'm like, what is this born again Christianity? And he just said, dude, to be born again just means to be born again, which didn't help. Um, <laughs> so when it says born again, all that means is new birth. That, that you are born of this world from your mother, and there's a new birth that happens from God. That you're born in this world because of Adam and the nature of sin as sinners, and then there's this new birth where you have this new life that you belong to the kingdom of God. And, they, and, and they, they, these worlds overlap and find their amen in the person of Christ. It's this beautiful picture. Well, Nicodemus, like many of us, he didn't get it. He can only understand the things of the kingdom and the things of God in earthly ways. And so Nicodemus, again, says like what, I don't know, I guess what most people would say. Um, he said this, verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born again. Like the conversation gets awkward. Nicodemus is like, Jesus, um, I don't think that, wait, are you telling me to be like in my mom again and then be born again? And Jesus is like, no, Nicodemus. One, she would not like that. Two, that's gross. And so... Jesus continues here to, to talk more about what it means to have this new birth. And he's beginning to talk about the spirit. Verse five, he says, Jesus answered, verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows whatever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is it with 
everyone who was born of the Spirit. So he says, listen, you don't understand. It's not the way you think of it. It is the work of the Spirit. And he goes, think about the wind, which, by the way, another word for the Holy Spirit or the Spirit is wind or breath. And he's saying the wind blows. Like, you don't know where it's coming from, where it's going. The only way that you can actually, like, experience the wind is if you put yourself in it. And he's saying that's the same way it is with the Spirit. The things of this world will beget the things of this world. But the things of the Spirit of God will begin to beget the things of the Spirit of God. And it blows new life into the things in which we do, especially as we participate in this beautiful, blessed kingdom of God in which Jesus has brought to this world. Nicodemus is still going, I don't get it. And we should resonate with Nicodemus. We, we should reckon, resonate with him because I, it's been my experience that some of the people who've been around Christianity the longest are sometimes the hardest to, to, to show the beauty of the gospel to. It's like, to me, it's like you've been around it so much that in some ways it's never really, really like sunk deep. Um, it's, it, the way I think of it is like the, the flu shot, which I'm not saying that you should get or shouldn't get. Or I mean, like, by, man, if it's like anything where I live, that's a controversial thing. So the thought would be that you get the flu shot and you get a little bit of the flu in you and then it protects you from getting the flu, which, by the way, didn't work last year. Uh, <laughs> but... I do think that we're around church and things of church and churchiness so long that we miss the life of the Holy Spirit that actually gives us life in the kingdom. And so for me, I told you I didn't become a Christian until later. So this is what it was like for me. I grew up going to church. Now, you understand, like I grew up going to a historically black church. And so if you guys are like the people in Tempe, you probably go to like a church service like once, maybe twice a month if you're holy. Um, Three times, you're weird. Four times, you work here. And so there's... There, <laughs> so, so when I grew up, it was like we would go to church two to three times a week, right? And so uh, Mother's Day two years ago, we had this uh, really cool moment where we had four moms on stage and they just talked about like raising kids and growing in the Lord and being mothers. It was awesome. And my mom was in town that weekend. And so we had my mom um, talk, um, which was embarrassing in, in, in more ways than not. But... Um, one of the things she said is she goes, you know, Ricardo, you need to understand, but him and his brother and his sister, they were drug babies. And everyone was like, oh, no, like, we never knew that. And then she goes, like, meaning I drugged in the church. And everyone's like, oh, whoo, didn't know where that one was going, right? <laughs> uh, and she did, right? So Monday night was prayer night. Wednesday night was youth night. Thursday night was junior choir rehearsal night. The worst part about it is I've never been able to sing, and yet I was in the choir just by the fact that I was a junior, right? And I would just lip it and so forth. But we would just be in church all the time, but I never really believed and accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not that I was anti, it just, it just, didn't, it just didn't take for me. And so I didn't really get all of these things. And I feel like a lot of us that are around church sometimes, we can be very moral, we can be very upright, we can know the things to say, the things to do, we can be on the new life of Jesus, and I even think some of us that have experienced the new life of Christ, we walk with him and life begins to be a little mundane and we don't know how to experience the fresh joy of the new life of the spirit again and again and again. And so at best what we do, we just kind of go through religious motions. And so Christianity and Jesus and the kingdom, they're not things that give us life. It becomes something that's drab. And I think it's kind of contagious and we have a, con a contagious nature of giving off no life in Jesus, even to the people around us. 
And we talk about our faith sometimes the way married people talk about marriage to non-married people, which is never good. Like you ever notice that people who are married, which maybe some of you guys are, um, that you, the way they talk, marriage, marriage, marriage. Let me tell you, it's hard. It's way harder than you think. And by the grace of God, we're still together, right? And like the single people are like, yeah, no, not something I want, right? It's like, I guess if I'm going to die to Jesus and my, like, I'll be married. And I think the same thing is about our faith, following Jesus. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not as good as you think. One day he'll come back and make it better. But until then, it's been really bad, right? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think we're actually living into the spirit because the spirit always brings new life in the midst of the mundane and boring and hard and suffering. There's something very beautiful. So Nicodemus, this man who's known the law, who's known the Bible, who's known, who's been to all sorts of synagogues, who's been to every Jewish vacation Bible school that he could possibly be at. He's marched in every army or whatever he was taught. He knows it and yet he doesn't get the spirit, the things that brings healing and renewal and life and joy in God. And he's standing in front of the one who gives the spirit and he still cannot see it. So let us know something about the kingdom. The kingdom is not something we inherit. The kingdom is not something that we push our way into. The kingdom is not something we can work our way into. The kingdom is not something we can read enough books to get into. The kingdom is not we can memorize a certain amount of verses and get into. The kingdom is not we can give enough of our money to get into. The kingdom is something we can only receive if the king is extending it. And the reality of it is we have a gracious, loving king who's saying, all who want in can get in. I remember one time, a good friend of mine, Tyler, asked me, how much of God do you have? Which is kind of like one of those questions like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, I know how much. And I'm like, please tell me because I don't know. And he says, as much as you want. You can have as much of God as you want. The question is, do you want it? Do you want to experience it? Do you want to have this life of God that is not just something you experience when you get into the kingdom of God, but something you continue to grow in in the kingdom of God as you walk with Christ for the rest of your life? That, that's what Jesus is offering Nicodemus. He says this, verse 9. He says, how can this be, Nicodemus asks. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the man who has come from heaven, the son of man. Just as Jesus lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. In him. So back to, back to Black Panther, the movie. <laughs> so the interesting thing about Black Panther, or the premise of this story that I love, is the king is conflicted. He's conflicted because the bad guy, who's a bad guy, who in some ways you're almost like endearing towards him, um, he's saying how the rest of the world needs this vibranium. And so the king is conflicted because he's looking like this is, belongs to our kingdom, and yet I know it can heal the rest of the world. And, and if we give it to the rest of the world, it would be good. But the king, again, has the desire to give it. People have been trying to come into Wakanda and find Wakanda and get it, but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work by you pushing or working or having just the best intentions to get into the kingdom. 
And so you might be thinking, are you saying, Ricardo, that there's a parallel between the movie The Black Panther and the gospel? That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is this. If you see the movie Black Panther, what you'll realize is the story is about a king who rules. This particular king dies, and the the rest of the Wakanda has no idea what they're going to do. He comes back to life. And in coming back to life, he's able to take the vibranium and give it to the rest of the world that the rest of the world may be healed. Now, if you make the parallels between that and the gospel, that's on you, right? You did that. I didn't do that. (laughs) That, That's something you did, all right? There's this beautiful, what what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is this. He goes, in the same way that that Moses lifted up the serpent. And if you don't understand that story, um, let me just explain it to you real quick. Um, One, you've got to realize Nicodemus, Jewish person, he understands the story of scriptures that always pointed to this Messiah that would, would be to come. So back in, in, in the Old Testament, there's this story where the people of God, they were, they were bit and they were, they were, there was sin in their life. And then there was all sorts of just poison. And God said, I'm going to make a way that you can all be healed. And he says, take this bronze serpent and lift it up. It was a means of grace, something that God would heal through. And he told Moses to lift it up. And then he said, anybody, anybody who looks to this serpent will be healed. They would be healed. And so that was just pointing to this future healing that would happen. It was a type of what would happen in Christ. And so what Jesus is now telling Nicodemus, if you want to receive this kingdom, essence, the king, Christ himself, the son of man, will have to die. And when he is raised up after the third day, every single man, woman, and child that looks to him will be healed, will have new life, will have an interest into the kingdom of God for all eternity. There's this beautiful picture that's saying, if you have faith and trust in the means of which God dispenses his grace, namely through the work of his son, Jesus, you will have this new life. And hear me, this is not just something we receive when we come into the kingdom of God. This is something that we can receive until Jesus comes and makes this world clean and whole afresh. Amen? So, 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 for, so for me... I heard, I heard Jesus. Like I, I, I'd heard it. It just didn't seep to me. Um, when it's interesting is that the, the last verse here that we'll look at is this verse that most of you know, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I heard that. But I didn't know what it mean really to look to Christ. Like, we'll say phrases like, look to Jesus, run to Jesus. That doesn't make any sense. So, but the Lord, the way he desires to to leave his kingdom in the same way, in the similar way that T'Challa had to leave Wakanda. I'm not going to go back to any more Black Panther reference, but he did have to leave Wakanda to get his vibranium. In the same way, Jesus left his kingdom to establish it here, and he brought us the Holy Spirit. That he asked to open up our eyes that we may be able to see and believe in him. Um, So my senior year in college... I had all these moments where I thought, like, you would think, like, God's going to open my eyes to him right here. Didn't happen. So I go back. My, my, my junior year in college, I had this horrible injury. We were playing up in Washington State, in Pullman, Washington, which that's not, a, that's not the best city in the world. Uh, and I had to stay overnight in the hospital and so forth and uh, was fine. I, and that was a moment I thought, like, man, Lord, I, I think I need you. But then you get distracted and you move on the rest of life. Right? Then my senior year, I have this moment where I'm in uh, the study hall and I'm finishing up this paper for uh, this class, that, that, um, this paper that was due like in 30 minutes. <laughs> um, I'm finishing this paper and uh, I just had this overwhelming sense of like just emptiness. And it's the best way to describe it. 
and I, and I, I kind of sensed it was God, right? I had enough of upbringing to go, maybe this is God. And so I called the godliest person I knew at the time, and it was my mom, and I said, hey, I, uh, I, think, I, I, think, I, I think I need Jesus. And then she said, yeah. I said, what do you, what do you say to that? And she goes, I, I think you need Jesus. And I said, yeah, I know, that's, that's, that's what I just said. <laughs> um, and she's like, run to God, which I don't know. I just don't know. You know, as Christians, sometimes we say things that doesn't make any sense, right? Like if someone said, hey, run off stage, I'll go, run off stage. If someone says, run to God, I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and I would have loved to say at that moment, that's when the spirit opened my eyes and I can see Christ, but that wasn't it. And then... Um, and then I graduate, or it's just before graduation, and I'm sitting in my apartment minding my own business, and the Lord began to move. Now, I don't know how much space and room you guys have for, for the way that God moves in his mysterious ways, but I'm going to share a story with you, and if it doesn't fit in your theological bucket, that's fine. Um, you can email me at no. <laughs> so... I'm sitting in this apartment complex, and, and mind you, everything in my life is actually pretty amazing at this moment. Like, I didn't have this, like, life's horrible, and I came to Jesus kind of moment. Um, I was fortunate enough to be the captain on my team in all conference and what was the Pac-10, now Pac-12, and, I, I, like, everything I wanted was there. I was getting ready to train for the, for the NFL and blah, blah, blah. It, was just, it just wasn't, life was, life was pretty good. And I'm sitting on the couch, and my phone rings from this number that was an L.A. number. And so I answer it, and there's this old black lady on the other end of the phone. And she goes, hey, Ricardo, this is, she says her name. And I said, yeah, wait, who is this? And she goes, oh, and she says her name. She goes, I got your number from your mom. And first I'm mad, like, why would my mom give my number to this random lady? <laughs> like, but it's an old black lady, and you can never say anything bad or hang up on an old black lady, because that's, you'd go to hell. And so... Um, <laughs> So, so I, I listen to her, and she says, I'm in your mom's prayer group, and as we were praying for you, um, you know, the Lord gave me something to reveal to you. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. And this lady, she began to absolutely prophesy things that only God could reveal to her. Um, like, thing, I was having these horrible dreams that were, like, scaring me. It was like I would have these dreams of a lion and a lamb. And if you're familiar with that, those are, symbol, those are symbols of Christ. However, they were really reversed in the dream. Like the lamb, the lion was actually really tame and kind of like chill. And the, the lamb was like fierce, like lightning bolts coming out of the, the lamb's mouth. I can't make this up. And I'd wake up and just be afraid. I'm like, God, if this is your way to get my attention, like this is kind of scary. Um, and she was like, hey, I know you're having these dreams. And then I'm like, wait, I've never told anybody about these dreams. Went through that. And then she just starts saying, it seems like every time you were trying to go to God, you would try to go to God, and then you get distracted by these other things. And then you'd go to God, and then you get distracted. And I'm like, that was me in college. Every once in a while, I'd wake up on a Saturday morning, wake up the girlfriend that I was with or whatever, and be like, hey, I, you know, Sunday morning, like, hey, we need to go to church. And it's like, church? It's like, yeah, I don't know why, but we need to go. And we just show up to a random church, um, you know, smelling like alcohol. Or at least I thought we did, because everybody would be looking at us, something, and they know. They know. <laughs> And, um, but it never really hit. And then she started just more and more things. And then I, I had this really severe pain in my belly button. I didn't know what it was. And I'd go to the trainer and the doctors and they're like, hey, it might be like an ab strain or whatever. And she goes, oh yeah, and about the pain in your belly button. And I'm like, she goes, put your hand there. So I put my hand there. 
She goes, this is a sign the Lord is changing you from the inside out. The pain's going to go away. Pain went away, right? I'm freaking out, right? I'm freaking out. You have no idea. I mean, I know this all sounds good now, but I'm like, I'm like a 21-year-old college dude, um, and I'm like looking out the blinds, like as if somehow if she was outside the blinds, she would know all these things about my life. Like, yeah, like, I, and I'm, I'm just like, who, like, what is this? Never met the lady. Could have been an angel far as, as far as I know. Um, only talked to her later, and it was amazing. And, I, and I, I asked her something. I said, what do I need to do? And she said something to me. She says, you don't need to do anything. Just follow Jesus. And that was huge. It was huge because in our narrative of Christianity, so much of our language is get right with God. Run to Jesus. Like it's all of this us going to him um, that we need to find God. And the reality of it is we don't need to find God because he's never been lost. We're the ones who are lost and we need God to find us. We don't have to get right with God because that's spiritually impossible. But God desires through his spirit and through the work of his son Jesus to make us right with him. That it begins to see that the kingdom, the way the, God, the kingdom of God works, is completely an upside down kingdom that works wildly different than the way that we would think. The reason why Nicodemus can't get this because he's saying, have I done enough to get in? And Jesus is saying, you're climbing up the wrong ladder that even if you were able to get to the top of the ladder, all you're going to realize is it's tilted against the wrong building. That the way that new life is, is all about Jesus coming to us, Jesus meeting us, and not just to enter, but to grow in a life with Christ. And that this beautiful picture is that whoever comes to him will not perish, but have eternal life. And eternal life is not something that we say, we believe in Jesus this one time, we hang on to our born again sticks until Christ comes back and takes us away to some place called heaven where there's people floating around and stuff, because that sounds horrible, right? The way we describe life with God is usually something that the kids... Kids get it the best. Like if, if I took my, I have a nine and seven year old, two boys. If I told Noah and Eli and I said, hey, this is what heaven's gonna be like. We're gonna be like, just believe in Jesus and try to be as good as you can now. And when we get to heaven, we're gonna float around with him and we're gonna sing worship songs forever, guys, right? My oldest, because he's kind of a do-gooder, he's gonna be like, yeah, dad, that sounds great, Dad. Wherever you're going to be, that's where I want to be, right? My youngest, because he's kind of a rebel, he's going to say, Dad, that sucks. Doesn't God have anything better than that? Is there Fortnite up there? Is there, I mean, like, is there, is, is there something else up there that we can do? Right? And, like, that, that's the picture we have. But eternal life is actually participating in the kingdom of God now all the way until he comes and he renews all things. All the way until he comes and restores all things. The new life that we need, most of us, we don't need the new life just to get into the kingdom. Many of us are already in because of the faith we have in Jesus. But some of our marriages, we need the new life of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to speak into our marriage. This past year, we had my wife and I just an incredible time. She said, uh, I want to go see, like meet with somebody, look at our marriage. And we had a friend of ours who recommended this, this couple, and they do like this deep dive in your marriage, and it was awesome. It was beautiful. I got to learn things about my wife that I never knew. We've been married 11 years, never knew. And not like secret, dark sins, marriage is horrible, don't ever get married. Like, oh, that's why you do that, and that's why I do that. And it was a beautiful deal because I do believe the Lord gave us new life in our marriage. 
I think even as people who are in ministry, people who are Christians, been Christian for a while, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal the freshness of Jesus to us that we realize that our life draws from him. Because if not, we'll start drawing our lives from the way that you guys encourage us or what our kids are doing or whatever. All of those things which are good things, but they're not life-giving things like the life-giving things that Jesus gives. That we need to look afresh to the serpent that has been lifted up in our case into the resurrection of Christ and look to Jesus and receive the life that he has for us in the mundane and in the daily. Because it's easy, especially for you guys. I mean, the summertime here, like it, it is easy to not want to participate in the fellowship of God's believers. In Arizona, it's not hard to go to church on a Sunday because you know why? You know, Yes. Yes, that's a good point. And because hell is outside. And so you, 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 you guys got it. You guys got it. And, and where I'm driving around, I'm like, look at all these people. When got coffee, these people are everywhere. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's not 115 degrees. And yet you can draw from the beauty of creation and not actually draw from the joy of the creator. And you can draw from the beauty of joy and the great things that God has given us to enjoy and not actually draw from the one who's been lifted up who is giving eternal life. And it would be like us to live Christian lives in the past tense instead of the presence and the future. And here's what I mean. Many of us in our walk with the Lord, we live off leftovers. We tell stories like I just told about the time in which we came to know Jesus. And as if there's no more fresh food that the Lord has given us, that the bread of life that the Lord keeps giving us is not fresh and good, and that the wine in which we drink is not the best wine who's always in Christ Jesus. As if God can only do things in the past and he's not presently working in our life and giving us the joy of Christ and the things that we do. That's the type of life that is a people of God that we have to be able to be praying for. If not, we become a community of people that begin in our lives and our actions and begin to tell the stories like married people tell stories about marriage to people who are single. Because if we were vibrantly loving Christ and being loved by Christ, if we understood that it was not that we need to run to God, but God and Christ was running to us and whatever area of life that we're at, when we live in that sort of joy and draw our strength from that sort of joy, we become the type of people of love that the people around us that don't know Jesus may say, I may not believe what they believe, but gosh, I'm glad they're here. There is something unique about them. It may be like we'd be like Christ and the people like Nicodemus in our communities would come to us and go, what is it about it? And we can point not to ourselves or to our works, but we can point to the new life that we have in Jesus. Um, The best thing that I would be able to say for me personally, my own walk, is I think there's ebbs and flows, but the thing that never goes away is when you rediscover the joy of the gospel. Like I can read books, theology, and all of those things, But when you rediscover the joy of the simple gospel that God so loved us that he gave his son Jesus, that anyone who would believe in him should not perish but actually have eternal life, and that is eternal living that starts from the time that they trust in Christ, and that same joy that God gives us at the beginning of our faith is the same joy that he gives us of the Holy Spirit to continue us. That the king has left his kingdom to make his kingdom here, and he's taken the best stuff of his kingdom the, pers- the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and he's given us the Holy Spirit that we may have life and we may have it abundantly. And the way that we experience it, it's not by working harder, but actually turning our eyes and our hearts and our faith to the one who's been lifted up, namely his son, Jesus. Amen? So why don't you guys go ahead and close your Bibles. Um, before I pray, just remind us that we're going we're gonna to be able to celebrate Jesus um, 
by remembering him and his presence through the bread and through the wine. And in the way that the wine and the bread is tangible, that our faith in Christ would be as tangible as the bread and the wine, that we believe and trust that if the bread is Jesus' body that was given for us, that we can live and participate in the life of the risen Christ who's alive and present, and that the wine is his blood that was shed for us and our forgiveness, and not only our forgiveness, as Jesus says, this covenant, this new covenant that we are with him always, that we didn't do anything to earn the kingdom, and therefore in Christ we do nothing to lose the kingdom, that we are part of his family, his beautiful family, as his father as our father, and him as our savior, and the Holy Spirit is the one who's given us life. And so let us, let us pray. Father, we thank you for the great grace in which you've given us in your son Jesus. I pray that you would renew and restore our faith in Christ, that the way that we walk and the way that we talk, Lord, would, 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 would resemble him, and not just an effort, Lord, but ultimately an affection, that we would see how loved we are in him, how continuously loved we are in him, and that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would reveal the things to us that ought to be revealed, and that your life and your love, Lord, would dwell amongst us as a community. And particularly, Lord, I pray for the community of faith that gathers here at this church and the churches here in the city, that you pour out the abundance of your spirit, that new life would spring up, Lord, and people's walk with you in their singleness, in their, in their, their marriages, Lord, in their vocations, Lord, in their recreation, in all areas of life, that they would experience the abundance joy of Jesus and their life will be given to him as his life has been given for them. God, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.